0: This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. B2B businesses often struggle to find the best ways to go to market. With evolving buyer preferences, new or emerging competitors, and changing economic climates, your go-to-market strategy must be more effective than ever. So how do you go about nailing your go-to-market strategy and gain a deep understanding of what your buyers truly care about? Well, your buyers will tell you how to go to market. You just have to know how to ask. And maybe more importantly, how to listen. And win-loss analysis can help you do just that. So today on our show, we, we are blessed, uh, uh, excited uh, uh, to have a guest who has a unique perspective, who is a, a veteran to the win-loss space, and has been a wonderful customer of ours here at Primary Intelligence for quite some time at a couple different organizations, Ms. Carolyn Klinger, Director of Market Intelligence and Affinity, Carolyn welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Ryan. It's wonderful to be here to be with your listeners and to share some of my expertise with you today.
0: Oh, we we can't wait to get into it. But before we do, um, I, I mentioned that you have a unique position. Uh, you know, what does that mean? Tell us a little bit more about you and your experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I started off in my career in government intelligence. So was working um, for a government intelligence agency that looked at leaders from around the world and was analyzing leaders and and groups of leaders for the senior um, policymakers in the US government. And that was a very exciting uh, role and a lot of analysis, a lot of writing, a lot of synthesizing of information. I, since that position, went on to some positions in market research, competitive intelligence, um, and eventually landed up at Primary Intelligence, where I was a consultant for four years and ran both win-loss and customer experience programs for Primary Intelligence clients. And after that experience, as you mentioned, I've been now at two organizations, uh, Nuance Communications and now at Affinity, where I have run the win loss and customer experience programs at both organizations. And so um, have a lot of experience both on the corporate side and on the consulting side in terms of win loss and some best practices as well as some areas that um, kind of are pitfalls that we want to maybe try to avoid whenever possible. So I'd love to get into that and share maybe some of my experience and expertise um, with your listeners today.
0: Okay, so uh, yes, to the pitfalls, we have to explore that we are compelled to to explore that. Uh, And also uh, listeners, as you can hear from Carolyn, what a unique and rich background that she has. So pay close attention to what she has to say today. All right, let's dive in. As you mentioned, so we've had the pleasure of working with you for many years now, right? And you've been the win-loss champion at a couple different organizations during those years, as you just mentioned. Why? Why have you decided to make win-loss analysis a key piece of market intelligence and strategy at these organizations?
1: Win-loss, I think, is a critical piece of a program that we bring to organizations, especially in the B2B world. Win-loss information gives us feedback directly from our buyers. And so what I've noticed in organizations is that there are a lot of experts, and sometimes they really are experts, and sometimes they they just think they are. But a lot of people kind of running around saying, this is what our buyers want. This is what our customers want. This is what we should be building from a feature functionality perspective. Um, This is what's resonating with our buyers in the market from a sales messaging and positioning perspective. But until we actually get a good number of Feedback profiles, um, you know, inputs from our buyers, and we can actually look at that information from both a quantitative and a qualitative standpoint. It's really, it's it's easy to be biased. Maybe it's a recency bias. Maybe it's a bias toward a large customer. And so maybe we take information that we hear um, from one customer or one buyer, and we we portray that as being the truth in the market. So we really wanna make sure that we're looking at different segments that we're operating in, that we're looking across different markets, that we're looking at um, both wins and losses, that we're getting a good sampling of our data and that we're coming into this with eyes wide open so that we can be um, experiencing and understanding what our buyers um, are experiencing with us. Um, it's really really critical to have that primary research and then also to couple that with secondary research right so a lot of times organizations will pull information from you know industry publications, maybe you're working with a consultant, um, maybe you're working with you know other parts of your organization, and they maybe they're pulling in their own research. Uh, maybe there's a, a design group or a branding group that's doing customer or buyer research. Marrying all of that information together provides a really powerful story. But win loss having win loss as a piece of that is really really critical. In terms of understanding our buyers um, to the deepest level possible.
0: Okay. A couple of things that I totally appreciate here. Number one, win loss is not the only thing, right? It is a piece of the strategy. It's a key piece, but it's just a piece. Right. And without it, uh, we, we miss the richness of the direction and the the detailed nuances that our customers the voice of our customer can really provide us um, now you said something that was maybe counterintuitive to new folks to win loss i heard you say in in your first in in, in one of your first sentences there that you should look at both wins and losses many many organizations they come in and, and i'm sure you've seen this before i ah, just give me the losses i just want to see what's what's. why should we look at both the wins and the losses from your perspective
1: yeah, that's a great question. And I, when I was at PI, Primary Intelligence, as a consultant, I did have a client who said, I, I know why we win. I yeah. just want to look at the losses. There are two pr- primary reasons why it's important to look at wins and losses. One is um, getting support from your sales organization is absolutely critical, right? Because you're evaluating their opportunities. And so when you're only giving them negative feedback, Here's why you're losing. here's why you're losing. It's a it's a steady drumbeat of, of bad news to them and you're constantly holding up their their failures, if you will. Um, that gets a little bit demoralizing from them for them. They, they're a little it's a little beaten down in terms of their attitude and their kind of their receptivity to doing win loss. So you want to make sure that you're giving them, both the praise and the constructive feedback in terms of having a balanced program. The second reason why it's a good idea to do a balance of wins and losses as close to 50-50 as possible is that even in your wins, people will not give you universally excellent feedback.
0: Oh, preach, sister, here we go, this yes to this, go.
1: Yes, yes, so you know, like as 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 a human being, um, we might say, this worked really well, I love this, everything was great here. However, you could do a little bit better over here, right? So it's very, um, it's very unusual to get universal, universal A pluses across the board. There are always areas that we can do better. And in the wins and losses that we've seen at Affinity, um, we've seen that across the board our losses will tell us really good things about us that you know that that keep us going that that say you know we didn't choose you but here are some things we really liked about you um, and then our wins will also give us feedback that said you know hey you could do better over here this wasn't perfect for us here's an area that you can make improvements to get even better so i think it's it's really important to kind of have that balance so that you're getting you're also getting a much more comprehensive true picture in terms of what's going on um, in the market for both you know, both types of opportunities, wins, losses, and no decisions, which many organizations will treat as a loss, right? They didn't buy from us, so we didn't get the deal. It's a loss, um, but maybe we get back in there in the future. So those no decision opportunities are equally as important
0: as well. Oh my gosh! Okay, so you ain't just whistling Dixie, my friend. That's uh, that yes, we're gonna talk about that in a second. But I I love this, and so this idea of the nuanced decision making process: decisions aren't made in in black and white and binary ones and zeros. It is an extraordinarily nuanced process where you might have some great strengths that kick you over the edge, but maybe just barely, maybe just barely squeaked by in this particular deal. And so it's not, oh, we, we won. Therefore we are perfect. And all these things, not my, not so fast, my friend, mm-hmm. it's all about understanding um, the perception and the voice of the customer. That is, so. thank you for bringing that up. That was excellent. Now, no decisions. Okay. So like you could have said a more uh, trigger uh, word to me than no decision right now. And, and the reason is we've been doing a uh, cross client research internally of our own database. We only have 20 years worth of data here plus. And um, we have found that no decisions and win, win or loss do not run the same paths. And we're uncovering some really helpful insights. When we have findings, we'll send them to you so you can see them as well, and we'll augment your program. I would but- love that. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. You're going to be super excited when, when you see what we've got here and maybe we'll have you back afterwards, you know, to, to, to unpack no decisions some more, but um. so no decisions as well. Okay. So I love this. All right. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's. A lot of our listeners are maybe new to Win loss, and even those that aren't new to win loss don't have the same kind of experience and background that you have right again, you come from a very unique position, and one of the things that uh, i've been most impressive uh, most impressed with is how efficiently and effectively you've you've been able to stand up win loss programs at each of the organizations you've been to uh both nuance and affinity. For some of our listeners that have never implemented maybe a win-loss or maybe have done it one time, maybe it didn't work so well or whatever, it might seem overwhelming. Where do you start if you're wanting to leverage win-loss as part of a go-to-market strategy? How do you do this?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, just kind of taking a step back, um, you know, many of your listeners will be primary intelligence clients. Some of them may not be, right? Some listeners might be trying to do win-loss programs on their own. And that's fine. That's completely legitimate. So I think the first kind of decision point is, are we going to do win-loss in-house on our own, or are we going to do win-loss with a third-party partner? And like I said, both are credible options, right? You you can do it on your own. You can use a third party. There are pros, pros and cons to both. Um, if you do choose a, a, a third party, and, and even if you don't, I think one of the first things that you really, th- there are really two things that you need to have done before your win-loss program can go forward. One is you need to have the list of questions, so the, what we call the interview guide stood up you need to have that list of questions for each segment that you're going into so if you're selling a product in you know a different product into different markets at different feature functionality different pricing you're going to have to have different interview guides for each one of those segments so that's the first thing and a lot of times that's a very cross-functional exercise right so you don't want to be creating your interview guide in a vacuum You want to get your product managers, your product marketers, you wanna get their eyes on those interview guides as well to make sure that you're asking about the solution criteria and the pricing structure in the right way that's going to make sense to your buyers. Um, So get that list together um, and then the second thing that you need to make sure that you have is a list of those opportunities that you're going to target for feedback. And that can be part of a, of a larger discussion as well. So for example, you might say, we're only going to target opportunities that are $50,000 and above or whatever your, your, your threshold is. We're only going to target opportunities in North America or EMEA or Asia Pacific we're only going to target opportunities for this specific product or this segment so getting really clear and crisp in terms of who you are targeting for feedback i think is also really really important while you're doing all of this you also absolutely positively need support and buy-in from your senior executive team oh and, yeah
0: tell me more here why is that so important yeah yeah
1: that's important because you want them to vocally be behind the program and especially your, your head of sales, whether that's an RVP, an SVP, a, a VP of sales, whoever your head of sales is, or maybe it's your chief revenue officer, someone who is kind of exp- espousing the, the benefits of win-loss and getting your sales team to be kind of primed to work with you, to give you opportunities, whether that's proactively reaching out and saying, I won or I lost. This opportunity fits the the criteria that we've set out. It meets our our revenue threshold. It meets our segments. Um, and, And either they're reaching out to you proactively or when you are looking through Salesforce or Dynamics or whatever your CRM is, when you're looking through those reports, to see which opportunities you can target, and you reach out to the sales reps, they know what the win-loss program is because they've heard it from their leadership team. They've heard it from the CEO, or maybe it's the divisional president. You've gotten that vocal support behind you so that they are then going to be working with you, and it's they won't say to you, what are you talking about? What does this entail? It's It's all spelled out. People are soundly behind the initiative and it makes your job a lot easier.
0: Okay. So you've listed out wonderful things so far like the list of questions what you call the interview guide, uh, the opportunity list that you want to include in the research and then some leadership alignment and awareness at the front line within the uh within specifically the sales the sales group. Yeah. Why specifically the sales team? Tell me more about that. Unpack that for me. Why is that so important?
1: Yeah, because you're working with sales reps very closely, especially um, until or unless you've you've integrated your win loss program with Salesforce or Dynamics, so that you can you can kind of automate the program. We can talk a little bit about that um, if you'd like as well. But initially at Affinity, we it was a very manual kind of hunting and pecking for opportunities, and so you need I needed the support of my sales reps when I went out to them and said, and I would say, you know, I, I noticed that you won or that you lost this opportunity, would love to include it in the program. I need those reps to send a warm handoff for me so that the respondent will see that the rep would like to get the feedback. They're not gonna ignore the rep like they might ignore me um, and that they would, it helps with response rates, right? So when the rep reaches out and says, We've got an internal program. We'd like to understand what went well, what could be improved. Can you give us feedback? You want the rep to be able to to do that on your behalf. And ideally, you want the rep to tell the buyer at the outset of the opportunity, whether you choose us or not, whether we win or we lose, we we have this internal program, this win-loss program. We'd love to get your feedback. So you're priming the respondent to to take a survey or to do a phone interview and what have you. So you really need that um, that rep's support. And then on the back end, once you have the feedback, we've been using the discovery sessions from Primary Intelligence and using them very very effectively. So that on the back end, once we've got the buyer's feedback. We pull the teams together. Um, We absolutely have the AE who was on the account. If it was a win, we have the customer success manager. We have their respective managers. We've also now brought this in to be kind of like a deal review. So these, 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 meeting invites are sent out to everybody on the sales team, everybody on the BDR team. So people can listen in. And now we're looking for best practices. What did you do in this opportunity to help you win this? And a lot of times when we ask the, ask this of very experienced reps, they'll be sharing information with us that it's just, you know, second nature to them. But a new rep might not know that this is, wow, that that's a really great idea. I could do that as well. And so you just have this building and building of momentum for the program, both on the front end with the sales reps, you know, enthusiastically coming to you, giving you opportunities. And then on the back end, having this internal session where people are just kind of, you know, thinking and ideating and and sharing best practices. And it just, it really becomes a powerful program.
0: Okay, so you mentioned two other things. You just keep giving me I, I, I'm rabbit holing here. So <laughs> let's let's talk about automation and then discovery sessions. Tell me about um, you know, what automation is for you um and, and what impact it might what impact either you're seeing or that you expect that it should have on your win-loss program. And then we'll get into discovery sessions later.
1: Yeah. So like I mentioned in the last six months or so, we've, I've been going to reps just on a kind of onesie twosie basis, you know, looking at the reports every week. And I noticed you won. I noticed that you lost. Can we include this one? Can we include that one?
0: What's the pain level? What's the pain level for you to have to do that mess? I mean, be honest.
1: It's very high. It's very high for me and for anybody else. And I've, I've done this at other organizations. And I know when I was at PI as a consultant, I would just tell people, well, just go out and get a list of, of opportunities. Like it was so easy. Just go go, get me a list. No big deal. (laughs) And I think now being on the other side, like I see that pain, I feel that pain. And, and I think, I think conversely sales reps see it too. Cause it, it's it's like, a I don't want to describe myself as an irritant to them, but in some ways in this role, we are irritants. Like we sure. were kind of pestering them for information and warm handoffs. And we really, we want those reps to be selling, right? Like that their focus should be on selling and pipeline and revenue generation. So whatever we can do to keep them selling and making their, inclusion of opportunities in in the win-loss program as easy and painless and short as possible, that's what we want to do. So we are now moving on to Salesforce as our CRM. And so we're integrating our win-loss program with Salesforce. And it's literally, I mean, anybody who's listening today, if you haven't tried an integration, either with Salesforce or Dynamics, I think primary intelligence now has a HubSpot integration as well. I would strongly encourage you to read out, reach out because it's literally, it's part of their workflow. So as the rep is closing out the opportunity in Salesforce, they can if it, if it meets the threshold, there will be a little button that surfaces that says, get win-loss feedback. Um, and the, the rep simply has to click on a button, choose the key decision makers, and submit it. And that's that's really the the hard uh, the the partial automation. You can set this up so that you know this is fully automated. The rep doesn't have to do anything at all. We didn't go that far. We might in the future. We might go to full automation. But at this point, still giving the reps the agency and the decision-making authority for each opportunity, but monitoring that closely. Um, but there, it, it, it makes it so much easier for them and for me. And then you know, as a result of the automation, we'll be able to collect an unlimited number of surveys, right? So we have the survey plus the phone interview, the full profile on our most strategic opportunities, still doing that, but for those smaller opportunities, maybe you know, no named accounts or less strategic accounts, maybe they're new markets, we're still not quite sure what the market looks like. Those we, we funnel into the survey feedback still have some qualitative questions. So we still do get some qualitative feedback, but we'll really be um, scaling the program quite a bit on the quantitative ratings and ranking information with the surveys. So I'm really excited. I mean, we're cutting over now in like the coming next couple of weeks. And so super excited to get everybody, you know moving in that direction. And I've already been letting the sales teams know and, you know, excited about what that looks like going forward.
0: I love that. So many of our other customers that we have set up on automation Uh, the A key theme that I'm hearing from them, Karen, and I will be vastly curious to hear from you as well. I want to hear, in fact, I'll, I'll follow up with you in a few weeks to see how it's going. But one of the things that I hear a main theme from everybody is the speed at which the insights are now coming. The delay that it took to go, you know, a deal is closed is closed out one lost inside of your CRM Salesforce, let's say. And then the amount of time that it takes a Carolyn out there to go and Pester, I'm air quoting for those people that aren't watching here, Pester, the salespeople to get the contact information might be a month, two months, three months. Yes. We're talking a quarter or more delay yes. yes. with automation. We're hearing from our existing customers that's gone from a quarter to within a couple of days, sometimes same day. So the speed at which the feedback is coming uh, is increased significantly, making it more relevant giving them the ability to go from a defensive place, meaning um, playing defense with the data post mor- post-mortem to using it as in the offensive position mm-hmm. where they can then make decisions in real time and guide their directions in real time. So I'll, I'll be curious to see how that how that plays out for, for you at Affinity, you know, we'll, we'll see.
1: The, the other thing is, I, I think a lot of times, especially on the wins, the wins are actually a little bit more tricky for feedback a lot of organizations than the losses the losses we know they didn't choose us so we don't have a customer success team working to onboard this this customer now with the wins we we do have that and so there's onboarding there's training there's implementation there's integrations there's any host of things and you know at affinity our typical onboarding is is weeks right like maybe three four weeks at you know in a in a worst case scenario, we're talking maybe six to eight weeks, but it's pretty fast. At Nuance, the onboarding could be many, many months. And so what happens then? You have people that leave the organization. You have people that forget the details. And you also have feedback where that implementation feedback is now mixed in with your selection, non-selection feedback. And so while you know well we're always happy to take post you know post selection implementation feedback and we want to let our cs teams know about that really our focus is on selection non selection right and if we want to have implementation training integration feedback then let's let's use a different vehicle a different Uh, Channel, if you will, to collect that feedback. Let's not marry it with the win loss feedback. So, I think that's another benefit as well that we can send this through immediately. And then, if we do need to work with the CS team for a phone interview and there does need to be a delay, that might happen. But at least we've got that initial survey feedback immediately, as you mentioned.
0: Mm, So, I love that. Okay. So, it sounds like the automation, uh, you're expecting to, I heard you kind of say in, in your comments, more or less that you're expecting to, to be able to go get data on all opportunities, potentially in traditional win loss, you, you really had to narrow pick and choose which organizations or opportunities you wanted to go after for research, really narrowing your ability to aggregate. How do you expect this automation you know, either expect this automation or automated play to impact your ability to aggregate and provide additional insights, strategic insights to the organization? You know, what are you expecting to happen that way?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So just as a a line in the sand, what I'm asking the organization for is 90% plus uh, compliance or participation, 90% plus. So recognizing that all deals might not be a good fit for the program. And again, at this point for affinity, allowing our sales reps to make that decision. But on the back end, writing in a reason right within the portal to say, this is why I didn't didn't submit this opportunity. So um, so what we're really, you know, in, in answer to your question using, hoping to use that information for is to really help to solidify the trends that we think we're seeing. Um, So I think, you know, one of the interesting things about win-loss feedback, a lot of times people will say, you know, we've only got 10, 15, 20, 25 data points. How can you really be sure that this is the right area of focus, mm. right? Mm. And I think I think that my response to that is if that was survey only feedback, it wouldn't be enough, right? It would not be enough. I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to bank my strategic vision on 15 surveys. But when you couple the surveys plus a phone interview where you can have whether it's an, a third party consultant or if you're doing this in house your own team, really drill into the reasons why the respondent answered in a certain way. Maybe it was a user interface, maybe it was an integration, maybe it was reporting and analytics. Whatever the issue was, you're really able to delve into that. You can see you can start to see patterns in the data with as few as eight to ten interviews. You st- start to see the same thing, the same things, the same themes. And so right now at having about twenty five interviews completed, I can definitely see themes in our data, but using that survey only feedback is just going to strengthen that. It's just going to make it stronger for me. So I can say, okay, this is what I think I, 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 what I thought I was seeing now. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It is. Or I can say, this is what I thought I was seeing, but it's not quite as clear cut. There are some caveats there. So we need to kind of disaggregate that information, tease it out, understand like maybe it's for one segment of our market, but it's not applicable to all segments. Maybe it's for a certain persona, a certain buyer in a certain region to really dive deep and understand that data. The nice thing about win-loss, especially if you're doing it in an, an electronic way, is that you can put tags on your opportunities you can filter your opportunities so you can look and and see in different segments of the market what your buyers are telling you and that's i think incredibly powerful
0: so leveraging true voice in that way that you just talked about the organizations that leverage true voice and tags and then segment their their aggregated data find often one of two things either they're right or they're wrong uh, they're right or they're wrong with their assumptions. And then they get to challenge themselves and grow their, their minds. So mm-hmm. these are the types of insights that organizations are looking for to make strategic decisions. And it can't happen without volume. Mm-hmm. Um, you can as soon as you start to slice and dice data, when you've got 20 interviews, and then you start to segment, you might end up having one or right. two interviews in a segment. You've right. got nothing. or right. I shouldn't say nothing. You don't have enough. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you couple that with, um, what we call online interviews or surveys uh, with the in-depth live interview that we have with our customers, that's where you have that deliciousness that you were just talking about. Okay. So how do you determine then which opportunities? I mean, this is actually, I think going to be very helpful for our listeners here, Carolyn, how do you determine which opportunities to do the live in-depth interview with, right? So Mm -hmm. you might be surveying 90% Ninety percent of your opportunities. How do you pick and choose who, where you're going to go? Use to use your word, delve, right? Mm-hmm. How do you choose?
1: Yeah, it's uh, to me that's pretty straightforward. It's it typically is your larger deals. So in our world, we're looking to go up market, moving upstream. So we want to we we're focusing on larger opportunities, and I think that's true for a lot of organizations, right? Like you want those enterprise accounts, you want those big deals. And however you define big, maybe that's, you know, $50,000, maybe it's a hundred million dollars. Like those are the deals that are really, really critical where you get, you know, the more of those types of deals that you're getting, the more successful you are as an organization. And so those are the opportunities that we tend to focus on. Um, We also want to make sure that they're competitive, right? Like if it was a big deal, but we were really the only one in the, in the market. and We can't really get any competitive information. That's less interesting to me compared to one where I've got, you know, at least one strong competitor. Maybe it's our traditionally, you know, most feared competitor. And um, I can learn some competitive insights that way. Whether that's new information, which I feed to the primary intelligence consultants that are, that are talking to our, our buyers, you know, if they say this, ask about that. And so I'm, I'm always giving them kind of questions to follow up questions to ask. Um, so maybe that's new information. Maybe you're just confirming information that you, you, you've you heard from other buyers but you wanna make sure that nothing's changed and that truly these are some strengths and weaknesses of a competitor. So um, those are those are kind of key rules. And then I would also say, any new segments or new markets, right? Like if you're thinking about going into a new market, you need buyer feedback, right? And that's gonna help your product team. It's gonna help your engineering team. It's gonna help your marketing team in terms of messaging and positioning. It's gonna help you to understand what your reputation is in the market and where people are getting their information. Um, There's just a whole host of benefits in terms of understanding how your firm is perceived in the market, how your product, your solution is perceived, how your support is perceived, really, really critical. Deals, I've found our deals are usually won and lost based on solution criteria. That product, that solution has to work for the the buyer. But I've also seen deals won and lost on things like service and support, where customers will churn, or your reputation is so poor in terms of your support that people just don't want to, it's the it, ease of doing business is just too bad. The, the effort is too high. Um, so understanding where you have those weak points, those weak areas, especially for those larger accounts is really, really critical.
0: Mm. Okay. I love that direction. So, okay. We've talked about standing up a, a, a win loss program. We've talked about just, you know, how to make the decisions on where to go to, you know, what, what opportunities to get, to get after, to go deep into. Let's talk about the insights themselves. So how do how do you, how do you, Carolyn, how do you take these insights to other departments in the organization and disseminate to help create alignment?
1: Yeah. So I've been, I, we are a customer of primary intelligence and I've been using the analytics within the portal and I've been, putting together presentations based on solution drivers, based on sales drivers, based on company drivers. We've also modified our interview guide, our list of questions so that we have some very custom questions. So and so um, you know in addition to the areas that I just mentioned, what I kind of call the pillars of win loss, solution sales company, and then pricing as well. Um, but we also, I'll also add in some of those more custom questions that I know will be interesting to our stakeholders. Um, so I, I'm always very careful in my presentations to understand my audience um, and make sure that I'm, I'm really driving to what they care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I also make sure that in the insights that I'm providing, I also share with them the supporting evidence, right? So we want to make sure that we're explaining win loss to the audience. A lot of times people don't really know what win loss is. It's it's kind of a very abstract con- concept for them. A nebulous,
0: isn't it? Yeah. A
1: little nebulous, right, exactly. And it's also I think a good idea as you as you're presenting to different teams to, to just get a sense from your audience how many of you are familiar with win-loss programs? Most people aren't. And so if you can kind of put together just a little bit of a graphic, I have one that has, you know, solution drivers, sales, company, and pricing. And I always tell people, as we're thinking about win-loss and as we're going through this data, I want you to kind of keep these four pillars in mind. And so we'll talk about different parts of them. Um, But I, you know, I pull together both quantitative and qualitative information I think you know you you have different different audience members who need different information or who are looking for different information. As you were mentioning, Ryan, you know sometimes with you know the 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 end number right the sample size. Having a sample size of fifteen, even if it's a probing you know phone interview, for some people it's just not enough. And so ha- showing them that quantitative, like these are the ratings, this is what we've got, this is these are the hard numbers. I think it it satisfies their need for evidence uh, and that scales, right? As you get more surveys, as you get more profiles completed, but then also I think it's equally as important to bring in the qualitative comment. So I'll like, I'll, I'll, in my presentations, I'll have a slide that says, you know, like why we're winning, why we're losing. And then I'll break that down for specific reasons for why we're winning and losing. And I use qualitative quotes from customers to support those different aspects of why we're winning and losing. I've even seen people who will embed an audio link in the presentation to actually play the audio back. And I think that's super powerful reading or hearing the customer feedback, especially when people are frustrated. This is the other thing I'll tell people that, you know, as you're reading through a profile you wanna look for the themes in the the information. Same thing with the aggregate findings. What are some of the themes in the information? And when people are especially happy or especially upset, they keep coming back to those same themes, right? That this is a problem and and you you hear that emotion in their voice, you read it in their text. So um, I think if you haven't used primary intelligence's analytics, so if you're only sharing the profiles, that's a great start but I would also highly encourage you to start to use the analytics as well. And if any of your listeners need any help in terms of you know, just templates or ideas for how to pull that information together, I'm more than happy to provide that. Um, and I know you've, you've got some templates as well, you and your team, but just get started, like start to pull that information together in terms of sharing that out to people because you will have a fan following at your organization. I, I, I guarantee you will. and people will start coming to you for for your insights. So it's it's a really terrific way of boosting your profile, but also sharing those insights broadly throughout the organization.
0: What a generous offering. Thank you for for that, um, Carolyn. that's that's wonderful. So winding down our conversation here, okay. so, if if you could say, look, you know, you're sitting down, um, you know, talking, you know, knee to knee, face to face. My dad used to say belly to belly, uh, maybe because he had a big old belly. I don't know. Um, but it, you're sitting down with somebody, and you wanted to give some parting wisdom. Uh, what what's that one piece of advice that you would give to to someone dealing with either standing up or augmenting their win loss program internally?
1: Yeah, I would say look for ways to automate the process as much as possible. So whether that means automating it through the use of a third party, um, and there's a lot of kind of administrative support that a third party can give you to help, help you automate and take some of that relief, take some of that burden off of you for relief, um, but also then automating it through your CRM, right? So to get the program in place such that it's not you spending all day, every day, chasing down win-loss opportunities, but that you can actually spend the time on analyzing the insights, sharing the insights, and pushing that information out into your organization, right? You, you don't want to be, you know, kind of in the in the weeds all day, you know, right? You want to be in kind of that enlightened state. So whatever you can do to to get your program automated, um, I would say focus on that because that will help you to scale and it will help you to really leverage those insights that you've got.
0: Okay, so I'm going to go out, you know, I'm going to be Put ourselves out there a little bit vulnerable, right? This is a little bit vulnerable because I don't know what your experience has been with the with the automation process. I don't, you know, I wasn't involved in any of that uh, on the back end. But what was your experience? This was your first automation with with um, Primary Intelligence. What was the experience like? Your experience, not the experience. What was Carolyn's experience with setting up the automation with True Voice and um, Salesforce?
1: So actually this was my second time. Oh, we your second automa- okay. Yes, we, we automated um, at Nuance and then we also automated at Affinity. And I think my experience at Affinity was very positive just because we're, we're a smaller organization. And so I could get to the people I needed to talk to very quickly. Um, and, and that automation was, went very smoothly. So mm-hmm. um, it's a small piece of code that gets put into your system. I don't know any of the details, technically <laughs> speaking, but pulling the right people in from, from those technical roles, of course, is very, very important, um, but super easy, you know, very straightforward. And now we're just at the point where we're training people on how to use it. So I think, you know, thankfully, with it, with the affinity um, process, the technology just worked and it was, um, you know, it was it, it's enabling us now to move on to do what we want to do and that's I think how technology should be right it should play a supporting role in enabling you to carry out the goals your jobs to be done if you will um your goals for your program and so um it's been a very straightforward process for us
0: oh whew. okay good I'm glad, glad to hear that <laughs> it's been straightforward uh- At the end here, you just said something that if, if there was ever a truth, it's this, nobody goes into a win loss program with the intention of getting lost in the weeds of staying in sample, you know, acquisition, hell, finding those opportunities and hounding everybody. That's not the, the purpose of win loss. The purpose of win loss are the insights that enlightened state that you mentioned. That's what everybody wants. So let's get there faster. And I think automation is what, what I heard you say is, is one of the keys for that. Yes. Well, Carolyn, uh, listen, this has been just a a remarkable show. It has been so great having you on the show today. Loved working with you uh, as an organizational organization um, on your win-loss initiatives over the years. So thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to continued relationship. Thanks again, Carolyn.
1: Thank you so much, Ryan. And thank you, everyone. Best of luck to everyone and happy to help, as I mentioned, in any way that I can. So please feel free to reach out at any point.
0: You heard it here first, folks. For more from our friends at Affinity and from us here at Primary Intelligence, check out the show notes at www.primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And remember, no deal is out of reach. See you next time.